This, this is, is going to be an incredible message for me. Because as a speaker, one of the problems that, that I have a lot is dry mouth. Like, you know, have you ever had that? If you've done public speaking or whatever, or you've had to talk a lot and you haven't had water, and pretty soon your, your tongue starts sticking to the top of your mouth, and it's like, nah, nah, nah. but this message right here, every time I take a drink is on purpose, and for an illustrative point. Oh, I love that. I love that we're talking about water. In fact, I want to give you the permission to do the same thing. So I'm going to ask Allie and Tasha if you guys would. Oh, Tasha may have left. Uh, oh, there she is. Hey, Tasha. Aren't these guys incredible? I love this music. Why don't we give them a hand for the music? I asked, I asked them to give each of you a cup of water. Okay, this is going to be your practical illustration kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of an artsy guy, and, and maybe you are as well. Uh, and so you can look at the water and kind of swirl it around in your cup, maybe take a drink or, or whatever it may be. But, but I want you to ask your question, I want you, sorry, to ask the question yourself, you know, as you're looking at the water and tasting it and such. What is our relationship to this water? What is it? What does it mean physically to us? Uh, and what, is it, what is God even trying to teach us with water? And so here we are. Our lovely assistant's going to pass out water. You'll eventually get it. Don't, don't rush them. You'll eventually get it, okay? Now, I was thinking about water. And Havens, our family, Aaron Havens, okay, we, we absolutely love, love water. And I can prove it to you. One, one of the tests that shows that we really like water are road trips, Okay? Um, and I'm going to show it to you from the reverse cycle. Not so much now because, because our girls are getting older, but a lot when we were young and even, well, even kind of now, when there's a road trip, there's a planning that has to take place. Like, like where's the bathrooms at? Where, where are the road stops at? Where, we visit every like, like fast food restaurant along the way because we, have, we love water so, so much. In fact, when, when the kids were small, uh, they knew that if there was a big trip coming up, because two days before, I would, I would stop all liquids in our family. I'm like, there's a road trip coming up. No one is drinking. And we may have Depends in the back of the car. You know, I, one of those kind of things. You know, we, we really love water. In fact, last week, this, this, maybe it's a Colorado thing. I'm not really sure. But I carry this around, and I, I really do. I drink probably two or three of these a day at least. I, I like to be hydrated, or I'm addicted to it. Can you be a wateraholic? I'm not really sure, but, but maybe I am. In fact, last week, it, it kind of hurt me. I don't know. Maybe it's a guy thing. I, I'm not really sure. But I was going to visit my, my parents in Castle Rock, and about North Denver, I really had to go to the bathroom. Um, but, but I was like, Castle Rock, uh, 30 minutes, I can push through. You know, so by the time I reached my parents' house, I'm crying. I mean, I'm hurting. Have you ever got to the point where you've had to go to the bathroom so bad that you're, you, you don't know how to walk anymore? I, I, I came to the front door. My mom answered the door, and I'm like, hi. I mean, I, no hug, no anything. I went straight to the bathroom, and I think I was in there for 10 minutes. And then I didn't learn my lesson. I filled up my water jug, and then I was driving to Longmont. Same day, two hours later. And then what do I do? I, I drink this whole thing again. So about North Denver again, uh-oh, what happened? I have to go to the bathroom, but I'm not stopping, right? I'm making my way all the way to Longmont. So we show up to my grandparents' house. He opens the door, and this time it's so bad, I literally tell him, 
don't touch me, don't hug me, don't squeeze me, I'll be back. Like, I'm, I'm just crawling to go to the bathroom. We, we love water. Well, I want to, as, as we look at this, point out a couple things. One is, our relationship to water as humans is uh, physically, it's, it's a big thing. Like, 70% of our body, and you probably know this, 70% of our body is made up of what? Water. Not only that, I thought it was kind of cool how numbers line up, but 70% of the earth is covered in water. That means we're living on 30% land, and 70% is water. Well, what I want to do is I want to put some deeper truths into, into John 6.35 and into water. So if you have your Bible, open it up to, to uh, John chapter 6, verse 35. If you have your U version, it'll be your first uh, notes on there. Here's an illustration, taking a drink. I love this. We're going to talk about water every week. John uh, 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. And you will not be hungry. Believe in me, and you will not be, what does it say? Thirsty. Yeah. Believe in me, and you will not be first thirsty. And what he's saying right here in these verses, last week we looked at the bread of life and how important it is, but what he's saying is, in me, in me you will find life. In me you will find life. And in him, your needs will be met. In me you'll find life, and in him, your needs will be met will be met. See, Jesus wants to refresh us. He wants our lives to be refreshed. Food sustains life. Like we need food, it sustains life. Water refreshes life. It's strange to think, if you just think physiologically, it's strange to think that life ends more quickly without refreshment than it does without substance. I'll say that again. Life ends more quickly without refreshment than it does substance. Point in case, our human bodies shut down quicker from dehydration than it does from starvation. Scientists have somehow proven this. I wouldn't want to be the test case on this, okay? But, but the average healthy human, according to my research this week, okay, the average human that's healthy can live eight weeks without food before they die of starvation? That seems, that seems like a lot to me. But from now to not eating eight weeks, you die of starvation. There's a lot. That sounds really painful. Water? How long do you think we can live without water? Anyone want to take a guess? Seven days? Close. Three. Three to five days. We can, we can go three to five days before we die. And so it's strange to think that life ends more quickly without refreshment than it does without substance. This is kind of an illustration that you can play along with or not play along with, okay? What I want you to do is everyone look at me and don't blink. Okay, we're playing the blinking game right now. And now we're going to take it another level, so some of you may bow out now. Open your mouth. Now the point is, I want you to dry out your tongue. So don't blink. Okay, now start breathing really heavily. And don't do that swallow thing in the back of your tongue. Okay, dry out your tongue. Don't blink. Dry out your tongue. So I need a camera right now. This is awesome. How does that feel? 
Look at your water now. Oh, doesn't it look good? We get the point. We get the point. Water, what does it do? It refreshes us, doesn't it? We need water. Ask any farmer in the Greeley area, okay? Ask any farmer what happens without water. It's probably not going to be a good crop that year, is it? Open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 65. We're going to look at two verses. Verse 9 and 10. Psalms chapter 65, verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. This is the Psalms is writing to God, the maker of everything. And it's such a beautiful poem. It's such a beautiful psalm. And this is what he says. You, as in God, you care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain. For so you have ordained it. Farmers are managers of what's already been provided to them. Think about it. Farmers can't conjure up water out of nowhere, can they? They manage what's already been provided for them. They live off a complete faith. I, think, I don't think there can be a, a farmer in the world that's not a Christian because it's such a faith-based business. I mean, everything that they, they do has to be relied on and stooped in this incredible faith. Faith that at some point during the year, it's going to snow somewhere up high, okay? Or, or rain's going to come from somewhere. Like, it, it's just going to happen. It's going to come downstream in this cycle of water, water cycle, right? Faith in that. Faith that this little seed that they put in the ground somehow will sprout. Um, the worms will do their things and the soil will do their things and it'll come out, somehow come up. Faith, even, that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Think about how much faith that it takes for a farmer. Their life is full of faith. Farmers know well. Last week we talked about that the land has been cursed. Farmers know well that the land has been cursed. Ask them what happens if they don't water and work their land. What happens? It's not good. They know that, that the devastation, the lack of water brings to their land. And they refuse for it to be refreshed. If they refuse to water it, if they refuse to refresh that ground and fresh, freshen that soil, what's going to happen? It's going to die. That land will produce nothing. Maybe thorns and thistles and those kind of nutrient things that we can eat, right? It will produce nothing. This is a truth that Psalm 65 teaches us, that nature teaches us, that I want us to kind of step back and look at. If God, God cares for the land so much that he's going to water that, and it's going to grow grain for us, and farmers have learned how to use the things that God has provided for us to eat, if nature teaches us this truth for our life, how much more do you think God wants to show that to us, his creation? The people on his earth. Water, we need it. To eat tomorrow is because water. Where I grew up in Ordway, Colorado, just, just south of here, when I moved there, I was in third grade, 
and down in Nordway, Colorado, it was pretty lush and green and pretty beautiful, crops growing everywhere. And then this thing started happening where, where farmers started selling their water rights. Uh, little by little, farmers got rich, houses got nicer, the water started disappearing from our valley. If you drive through Ordway, Colorado right now, there's a lot of cows, there's not a lot of crops. What happens to land when there's no water? It's yellow, it's dying, and it doesn't produce. Humans, we have a long history of water. Everyone, yeah, take a drink, cheers, water. Love it. If you want more, help yourself, it's up here. We have a long history of water in Genesis 1.1. Okay, it says this, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The very first thing we know, Genesis 1.1, can we go back any further than that? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. All sorts of miracles. Noah and the ark. Well, if you have an ark, what do you have? A whole bunch of water to float that ark, right? We know that story. Crossing of the Red Sea. That's a beautiful story. God's people are, are running away. This army's chasing after them. They come to this huge body of water called the Red Sea, which is actually a lake, and I don't understand. But they come to this lake sea thing, and they're about to get destroyed, and God says, uh-uh, I'm going to part the Red Sea, and the water goes whoosh, and they walk through it. I'd love to be there. Hey, fish. Hey, Nemo. You know, sunken treasure ships, you can see. Anyway, it, probably not treasure ships, but probably not Nemo either, but that would be good. What about, what about Moses and the Israelites? They're wandering in the desert. They're going around in the desert. They're dying of thirst. They're very thirsty. The Israelites start complaining, and God says, strike this rock. He strikes a rock, and what does it do? It produces water. The second time, Moses goes up and tries to strike the rock, and God's like, no, no, no. This time I told you to speak to the rock. So he speaks to the rock, and what does it do? It produces water to refresh the Israelites in the desert. Deuteronomy 11. Oh, this is good. Take notes, okay? I really like this. I've been waiting all week to say this. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Okay, this is the Old Testament. And God's talking and he says, look at, look at this land over here. This is the Israelites. That, they've been going through the desert and they're looking at the promised land. And God says, look at that land. You know what that land does? It drinks of the rain from heaven. Whew. If you're in a desert, you're looking at land that drinks from the rain of heaven. Well, this is the cool part about that. Okay, that's Deuteronomy 11. There's a very similar verse, and, it's, and it is in Hebrews 6. And it is now speaking metaphorically of the same truth. See, then the Israelites were looking at a land that was producing water, that was drinking from heaven. And in Hebrews chapter 6, it says the same thing. Land that drinks from the rain of heaven, but it's not talking about our physical land anymore. Guess what it's talking about? Our lives. God's saying, are you dry? Are you empty? Are you parched? Do you need to be refreshed? Come to me, because this land will drink of rain from heaven. Ooh, that's good. I like that. I think our story parallels most, though. Our story, as a human race, parallels more with an Old Testament man and the story of Samson. Uh, I want to look at this story real quick. So if you have your Bible, open it to Judges uh, chapter 15. And we're ultimately going to end up in uh, chapter 15, 
verse 16. But I want to give you a flyby of this Samson and what this water meant to him, okay? Samson is born. And you can read this story later. It's Judges 13 through 15. Samson is born, and it says the Spirit of of the Lord began to stir in him. And God had a purpose for him. He was going to use Samson to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Okay? So Samson's born. He has the Spirit of the Lord in him. Well, Samson uh, marries this Philistine. That's the enemy, right? Oh, don't really get this. But he marries, he marries uh, a Philistine woman. They go to their, their wedding festival, which I guess lasts for a very long time, weeks. They go to this wedding festival, and Samson, being a strong man, says, I'm going to give you a riddle. If you can answer this riddle, then you'll get this prize. If not, you owe me the prize. So he gives them this riddle. And for days and days, the Philistines are trying to figure this out. And they're not able to figure it out. Well, then his wife, who is a Philistine, comes to Samson and says, Samson, don't you love me? Like, tell me the answer to this riddle. And she starts bugging him. And she bugs him for seven days, it says. She wept and she cried and she kept bugging him. Give me this answer. Which, side note, reminds me of a, of a weird Proverbs. And the Proverbs goes kind of like this, okay? Better to live on the corner of a house <laughs> than, in a, than in the house with the quarrelsome wife. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I bet you can reverse that for, for genders as well. But anyway, she's nagging him. You get the picture, okay? She's nagging him. Finally, he says, okay. And he gives her the answer. Well, what does she do? She immediately takes it and she gives it to the people that are there. So they're able to solve this riddle. Well, Samson, being Mr. Rico Suave, I like this. It's kind of weird. Don't, guys, don't use this line on, on ladies you're trying to get or your wives. It probably won't work at this day and age. He says, the only way you answered this riddle is because you used my heifer to plow the fields. Wow, <laughs> in, in meaning that they bugged, they bugged her so much, and she gave him the, them the answer. Don't use that, okay? Well, Samson, at this point, he takes it up a notch. He goes out, and it says, the Bible says he struck down 30 men. He's mad, like something clicked in him. And then he decided, uh-oh, I better go away and calm down. So he goes away for a period of time. Then, I'm paraphrasing all this, all right, just so we get the story of it. Then, what happens is, he, is, is Samson comes back because he's Rico Suave. He wants to make up with his wife. He brings a young goat. Like, it's not a diamond ring or whatever. It's a young goat. He comes, he comes to the, 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 the parents, and the parents say, we thought for sure that you didn't like her anymore. We gave her away. Uh-oh. Something really clicks now. Samson goes, he catches 300 foxes, he ties them tail to tail, he puts a torch between their tail, and he sets them loose in the grain fields and the vineyards of the Philistines. Well, the Philistines get so mad that they come back and they actually kill his wife's family, they burn down everything, and something clicks even more in Samson. So he goes out and the Bible says that he slaughtered, slaughtered many Philistines. And then he retreated to hide. And as he, when he was in hiding, Judah, which is his people, 3,000 of them, come and they find Samson hiding. And they said, what have you done? Like, these guys rule over us. What have you brought upon us? This is devastating. And Samson says, don't kill me, take me to them. 
So they tie him up, 3,000 of his own men, and take him to the Philistines. And as they're approaching the Philistines, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson so much that these new ropes fell off. He found a jawbone of a donkey, and the Bible says he struck down a thousand men. I, I don't know about you, I don't go to Vegas a whole lot, but one to a thousand, is that good odds? One man, a jawbone of a donkey, struck down a thousand men because the Spirit of the Lord was on him. Now this is the point that I want us to really look at. Judges 15, verse 16, says this. Picture this, Samson just struck down his thousandth guy. In verse 16, he says, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. <laughs> with a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. And you can picture that. That's impressive. I guess if anyone has something, something to boast about, a thousand men, he beat the odds. He did pretty good. Samson, what has he done? Verse 18. Look at verse 18. Star it, underline it, highlight it, copy and paste it, do whatever you have to do because this is for us. God said, what have you done? Who did this, Samson? Was it you? I thought it was my spirit on you. And in verse 18, Samson, <clears throat> because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord. You have given your servant this great victory. Now must I die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? So what's he doing? What's strong man doing? He's on the ground begging God. I think this is where God's grace comes in on Samson. And he says, you got it. You got it. And we see in verse 19. Then God opened up the hollow place and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he was revived. Was it Samson's power? It's the Spirit of the Lord. And God revived him. <laughs> I want to point out a couple things of this story. One, Samson, he saw the big picture. He was a big dreamer, wasn't he? He was a big dreamer to be hiding in a cave, to come up to a thousand men. And Samson say, I got this. In essence, he said, no problem. He was bold. He had purpose. He wasn't creating excuses. He was relying on the spirit of the Lord, one to a thousand. How many of you want to do that right now? Anyone want to do that? He was a big dreamer. I wonder about our lives. What does that mean for our lives? God may be asking us, hey, I've called you. I want you to go to another country. I want you to serve, and we create excuses. How, how about this? I want you to adopt a, a, a child. I want you to be foster parents. I want something, but we create excuses. You know, God's saying, I, I have things for you that are huge and big. My spirit is on you. The power of, of myself is on you. What about this? What, what about the injustice that, that Greeley has right now of the mentally handicapped people that aren't getting served? What about that? Could God be calling us to help with that? 
What is it in your life? Is he saying sell everything and give it to the poor? But God, I have, I have excuses. I have, you know, whatever. You know, Samson, I will give him this. He didn't create excuses, did he? He was trusting in God. He was running after him with all his heart. One to a thousand? I would shrink to that. I imagine most of us would shrink to that. Samson did not. What if God's saying, give away your car? What if he's saying, okay, invite someone strange you don't even know to Project Saul? What about tell God to, uh, the, the truth and the story and the secrets of God to people of, of Greeley? But God, they might think we're weird. They might not get it. I might not get that pay raise. I might not make that alpha, beta, whatever club. Samson at least didn't create excuses. Samson, thank you for showing us that. But oh, Samson, why did you become prideful? I got to give it up for Tim Tebow in this one. I got to. He's making more money than I can even think of, and he is serving people, and he's winning these magnificent games, and he's immediately saying, first off, national TV, the world. I'm the most famous person in the world right now. I want to thank who? Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for giving me this opportunity and talent and abilities. Samson, why? You just struck a thousand people. Do you think you did that on your own? Why did you get prideful? The third one is this. <laughs> And this is for all of us. Samson returned to his first love. And he called out to God out of desperation and said, God, I need you. Like, please refresh me. Physically, I'm about to die. I need you. I need you. I need you. Do we call out to God with that passion? Do we thirst for him like that? Project Salt, we have three things. Be do and be and you'll hear it over and over while we're here because it's important be the first moment we give our lives to Jesus Christ find our identity in him oh it's a beautiful moment and because of that he's gifted us a lot of giftings some with finance some with music some with who knows what and God says because you love me go do go serve and I'm going to empower you. You'll slay a thousand people because my spirit's on you. Go do it. But oh church, oh Project Saul, if we stop there, we failed because we've never pointed to the power. That's why that third B is so important. Every day we lay our heads down on our pillow and we say, God, thanks for creating us. And it's because of you and you alone that we find our identity in you the maker of everything we know. Are you getting it? Take a drink of your water. Take a drink of this thing. Oh, this is good. Some of you are like, yeah, I got to go to the bathroom like you were talking about. I'm sorry. I want us to look at one more verse, and it's beautiful. Psalms 107, verse 35. Psalms 107, verse 35 says, He turned the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into flowing springs. What did he do? God did and does this for our land. Farmers know this. They turn deserts into pools of springs. That sounds wonderful. How much more did he and does he do for us? Man, 
God created the world, and then he said, that's not enough. I mean, it's, it's good, it's not enough. And he put humans on it. My brother Nathan and his wife Lindy, this week, hopefully, my guess is tomorrow morning. What? Right now? I was going to say he's going to have a baby next week, but they're in labor as we speak. Okay. All right, Nate. Everyone say hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. Okay. <laughs> wow, man. Okay. So, man, that's cool. But I, I, I called Nathan earlier, and I told him I was going to talk about Zach because it tells us a really good picture, okay? See, they, Nathan and Lindy have had a baby room ready. For what? Anticipation of Zachary, their son, their first son. I imagine most parents do this. They create this baby room. But why? It's not for creating the baby room. They create the baby room, and then along comes the reason for the room. Zachary's being born right now. They get to take him home to his room. See, same thing with earth. God says, I created the earth. Now here's the reason for the earth. And he puts humans on it. And if God can refresh the land, deserts and springs like Psalms 107 just said that, if he could do that for the land, how much more does he want to do it for the reason that the land's getting water? That's how much he loves us. Are you getting that right now? Are you understanding that right now? When we are alive in Christ, when God is living in us and refreshing us, when we're alive in Him, we are infused with a joy and a purpose that cannot be explained. When we're alive in Christ, we speak and we act out of lives rooted in deep meaning. When we're alive in Christ, we view relationships as meaningful and not just casual. There's no such things as casual relationships anymore because we're alive in Christ. When we're alive in Christ, we cannot chase after the empty dreams of this world. They don't fulfill. They don't sustain. They don't last. When we're alive in Christ, we cannot let death thrive and have a say in Greeley or our lives. Because once we've tasted of the refreshingness of God and how he refreshes us, nothing compares. Nothing. Here's a challenge for you, and if you're following on version, it's a simple poll that you can answer, and it says this. Will you take this challenge? The challenge is, this is the word of God. This is the Bible. Will you commit to reading it every single day? day this week seven days every single day open it up and be refreshed read the psalms oh the psalms are beautiful read the proverbs they'll teach you how to like hide from quarrelsome wives and stuff wife wife <laughs> wow they'll teach you all sorts of knowledgeable knowledge stuff read this the point is this Refresh your life with this. Let the Spirit of the Lord come upon you. God wants you to stand out in the crowd. Do you know that? 
He wants you to stand out in the crowd. He wants the world to see his goodness in you. God wants you to stand out in the crowd and he wants the world to see his goodness in you. People that are thirsty will notice when someone who's hydrated comes by. And just a drop of water to a dry land can change everything. A drop of water to a dry tongue can change everything. Meaning, in a life that's dead and barren is worth everything. So I want to ask you this today. Do you know who Jesus is? Have you surrendered control of your life to him? And said, God, you're more important than me. If you haven't, you're living in a dry desert. And I don't know how you're alive. Because I have the hope of Jesus Christ. And life is still hard. But every day he refreshes me. His spirit speaks to me. There's life and there's meaning. If you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, do not leave here today without doing so. Find me. Talk to me. Find someone you know that is hydrated because you can see it in their eyes. They have meaning. They have purpose. They have hope. Find them. Talk to them. Don't leave here dry. I'd like everyone to stand up. If you still have water, go ahead and take a a sip of it. Oh, there's meaning. Oh, there's purpose in Jesus. And I hope that our relationship to water has always changed from this point forward. Every time we take a drink, we think of God refreshing us. He teaches us that spiritual truth with water. Thank you, God, every time I drink. Thank you for my life. Thank you for meaning. Thank you for purpose. And as as Ashita leads us through, a worship song. I invite you to do a couple things. One is come get more water if you want it and use this opportunity for just the physical lesson that God can be teaching us. But more importantly, I want you to talk to God and I want you to align your spirit with Him and I want you to let Him refresh you, refresh you because we cannot run without God and we need his refreshment. I don't care how big and mighty of a warrior you are. I don't care if you slayed a thousand people this week with the spirit of the Lord on you. You still need the refreshment of God in your life. So right now as we sing this song, as we sing to our God, our creator, our maker, refresh, get refreshed. Say thank you God for my life. Thank you that I'm here.